Hello, brewery fanatics, and welcome back for another episode of Brewery Travels. I'm your host, Joel Geyer, otherwise known as Brewery Travels on social media. And today we are going over to the East Coast and going to kind of zone in here on Boston, a city that I'm sure many of you have wanted to hear more about. There are many breweries there that we are all very familiar with. And as always, I have two amazing guests with me, Jackie and Andy. And so let's get the ball rolling by kind of just doing a brief introduction about what got you into beer and how you're part of the beer community, Jackie. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to talk about beer with you and Andy. Um, I'm a freelance writer in Boston. Um, I specialize in food, um, Boston restaurants mostly, as well as beer. Um, I always say that I got into writing about food because of my lifestyle. Um, I have a journalism background and I just love going out and I love beers and breweries. Um, I had the great good fortune of turning 21 when I lived in Vermont and I was studying journalism there. Um, so I went to the original Alchemist Brew Pub and had Hetty Topper when I was barely 21 and the rest is history. Um, so I write these days for Boston Magazine um, and the Foodlands, uh, as well as like Edible Boston and lots of other cool publications. Very, very cool. And yeah, that, that's not a bad way to, to kind of break into being 21 and legally being able to drink beer. That's a, not, not a bad way to start things off. Uh, Andy, what about you? Well, I, like Jackie, I'm actually a journalist by training as well and magazine journalism specifically. So I spent during college a summer in London, as you know, as, as folks do. And while there, you know, I was pretty much a a, a high life or, or Miller drinker. You know, it was pretty pretty standard fare collegiate beer. And then I had my first Guinness, and it really kind of changed, as it has for many people, changed my perspective on what beer could be and what it could taste like. And so the next weekend, I got on a very inexpensive flight to Dublin and went to Guinness and went to my first brewery tour. And from there, when I returned back to the States, you know, craft beer was really starting to get in swing. And I went to college in Iowa. I'm from Chicago originally. And so a brew, a brew pub opened up downtown and, you know, they, they kind of, you know, went across campus handing out free beer tokens, you know, just trying to get kids or somebody in the door. And so we went down there and I had another stout that tasted absolutely nothing like Guinness. And so I was like, I don't understand this. These are two beers. They're basically every beer I've ever had basically tastes the same. But these two beers are just radically different from each other. And from there, I was just obsessed with flavor and, and trying new beers and traveling the country, traveling around the world. And then, like Jackie, put my journalism to you know journalism background to work. And so I started freelance writing. You know, I'm also an attorney. Uh, and so while right after I graduated law school, I moved out to Boston. Um, and at that time, I was studying for the bar and writing about beer and trying to get you know got my foot in the door with some magazines. Eventually went on to become a columnist at uh, Beer Advocate magazine for more than a decade. I have written for Boston Magazine as well. I have loved Jackie's work for years. She does a great job with the local scene. She, you know, I am not as dialed in. I, like you, Joel, have a couple of young kids at home, not as dialed in as I once was. So I get a lot of my information from Jackie, actually, uh, out on the town and, and seeing what's opening up. And it's, you know, so I've, always, I've loved her work for years. Um, but for myself, yeah, I've written for Beer Advocate and then eventually... Uh, in 2019, uh, along with my partner, John Hall, started a company called Beer Edge, which is a largely a trade publication. And then early this year, we uh, bought All About Beer magazine, which is the oldest uh, beer publication in the United States. It's been going on for almost 50 years. And so we're in the process of trying to revitalize that, bring it back to life, kind of modernize it. Um, uh, also, while trying to do other jobs and raise kids. So it's it's a lot. But as Jack said, beer is a great, great deal of fun. And you know we're both excited to to talk to you about our home scene. Yeah, that is that is awesome. I mean, you both have re really great stories. And I was going to say, if she was trying Alchemist for the twenty one, you know, your first brew tour being Guinness is a pretty solid one as well. So uh, you both kind of came into the scene with with pretty uh, well known breweries. And so talking about well known breweries, uh, there are two of them right there in Boston. You know, you have the Boston Beer Company, a name that pretty much I think everyone that is drinking craft beer anywhere in the country probably knows to some extent, as well as uh, Harpoon. Uh, so what have they meant? to the local craft beer scene. And Andy, how have they kind of changed over the course of their existence as well? So the Boston Beer Company, better known as Sam Adams and, and Harpoon Brewery, 
uh, here in Boston are two of the oldest you know, breweries in the Commonwealth, you know, two of the older breweries in the country. Uh, and Boston beer is sort of inextricably linked in defining the Boston beer scene. Uh, it, you know, it, you know, besides in its name and its advertising has always been very Boston focused. Uh, the company is based here. But, you know, historically, it actually hasn't brewed much in the way of beer here. And that, you know, historically had been a bit of a controversy for them. They brew beer largely in Pennsylvania and Ohio and other places. Um, and frankly, now they don't even brew all that much beer compared to a lot of other very popular products such as Truly and Twisted Tea. But, you know, they, you know, Jim Cook and Boston Beer really helped develop, you know, beer in Boston. And it, like I said, it is inextricably linked. They recently, uh, just before pandemic, opened up a beautiful, expensive tap room right in the heart of Boston next to Faneuil Hall, where you can drink a Sam Adams while looking at the statue of Sam Adams, uh, just a stone's throw from, from Boston City Hall. Uh, beautiful area, beautiful. Wonderful things, even if, you know, craft beer is sort of moved in new directions uh, from, you know, it's hard being an old pioneer. You know, a lot of the young whippersnappers come up and 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 basically steal your lunch and that that has happened but harpoon has been kind of a, a brewery that has been just happy to kind of be regional it's a it's a surprisingly big player it has breweries both here and now now a second brewery a third brewery in vermont um is they just bought another brewery up there but it's a brewery that has it's in a handful of states and it kind of flies under the radar and it is kind of just it's one of those breweries that is focused for a long time on doing you know, it's standard fair beer. You're not going to find a lot of really crazy experimental stuff there. But what they do, they do well. And uh, it's beer that is very approachable. Uh, it It is certainly set a standard, you know, here in Boston. And in the last few years, it opened a massive tap room at its original brewery um, that is packed with, you know, basically people of the age of, you know, 21 to to 30 every single night of the week. So it is, it, they've, they've kind of have got a lot more energy in recent years and that's been exciting to see them do some more experimental stuff. So the two of them are really the, the OG, you know, pioneers in, in the Boston and Massachusetts beer scenes. Yeah, for sure. Well, and, and Jackie, what are kind of your thoughts in terms of what, what uh, Sam Adams and, and, and Harpoon have kind of meant for the Boston beer scene and where they have all come? Cause obviously like Andy was pointing to, Harpoon has grown you know, somewhat, but they've kind of stayed the same. Whereas Sam Adams has obviously experienced a lot of changes, especially in more recent years with a variety of different acquisitions. Yeah. Yeah. Harpoon with the acquisitions too. They have like, oh, yeah, that's right. Another, it's like regional acquisitions. Yeah. Well, yeah. They're both growing that way. And yeah, Andy touched on this too. They both sort of got into the taproom game late. Like, as far as their pioneers of craft brewing, neither of them had taprooms in the way that we think of them um, until fairly recently. So Harpoons opened, um, yeah, a few years ago and it's beautiful. And they've just started to get some outdoor space that I think is like a parking lot that was like a pandemic pivot. But it's kind of like interesting to think of how a brewery would prioritize those taproom elements now. And then Sam Adams too opened their taproom. I think it was just in like 2018 or 17. Um, but actually I live right next door to the Sam Adams taproom, the original Sam Adams brewery and their taproom in Boston. Um, which is in the neighborhood of Jamaica Plain, um, which is a historical brewery neighborhood. Like they're in an old building that used to be the Half and Ruffer Brewery, which has some pretty cool regional brewery history as well. Um, so anyway, I love Sam Adams as the taproom now. They do some experimental stuff on site that is unique to what you see in, in bottles. So I definitely like having that next door. Um, I will say, too, another cool thing that those breweries have added to the Boston scene is being here and being experimental before a lot of other cities had breweries like that. So I know a lot of people who worked at Harpoon before they opened their own brewery um, or a lot of people who went through Sam Adams, um, learned from there, and then have gone on to do other creative things in the Boston beer scene. I also will say I have to shout out to my parents who are craft beer drinkers um, as well. Like So I grew up seeing Harpoon in my household and seeing Sam Adams Boston Lager. So I think that predisposed me as a young 20-something, uh, you know, young 21-year-old, uh, you know, to gravitate toward craft beer because they really did have have good uh, market share here. Um, and I can speak from, from that experience. Yeah, for sure. I, I've told this story multiple times on my podcast as well uh that with my parent my dad was the same way i grew up in rural wisconsin and rural iowa and although it was all mass 
you know, macro beer for the most part. He always drank Lining Kugel's Creamy Dark and Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Those were the two beers in his fridge. And so that's that. a, a big reason why I am obviously doing it, or really the reason why I'm doing this is that I then was in college at 21 buying pick sixes and variety packs from different breweries instead of, you know, whatever was on sale for a, a case. Um, so, yeah, so now we talked about some different tap rooms and everything and talking about some of the, the the big breweries. So now some of the smaller breweries, there are actually many area breweries that are opening up multiple locations. And several of them have decided to open these new tap rooms more in the city of Boston after originally being from the suburbs. You know, you have places like Trillium, Night Shift, Castle Island are all examples of breweries that were in the suburbs. That That's where when I was in the Northeast for, for a few months back in 2017, 2018, that's where they were. And now they all have these tap rooms more in the city of Boston. So, Jackie, is this simply a matter of it being easier to open a brewery in a suburb and then kind of moving to the city due to the, due, uh, due to the cost of doing business in the city? Or are there kind of other factors at play as well in, in kind of this process? Yeah, I definitely think that's a major point, just um, finding space that fits your needs. I know Castle Island specifically, Adam Romanow, the owner there, I've talked to him before, when they first started looking for a brewery, he wanted to be in South Boston. Castle Island is the name of a landmark. It's a state park in South Boston. There's a beach there. Um, so that's what he named his brewery after. And they started as a production brewery. And when he was looking for a tap room, he definitely had his sights set on Southie, but it just wasn't in the cards at the time, 2017 or whenever. So then they landed in the suburbs, built you know a community there, were able to experiment and hone in on their recipes. And then when the time was right, I guess, found a place in Southie. I'll say too, in their place in Southie specifically, it's new construction. Um, it's a renovated building. It's like an area of Southie where it's being developed right now. So I bet a developer, I don't know this for a fact, um, but I bet a developer, you know, was looking for a, an anchor tenant like a brewery and was looking for a place that, um, you know, had some cred, you know, had a community, had a following, had some money. So that's why Castle Island had an opportunity possibly to open there. I don't know that for sure, um, that but is, I would Jackie not be is, Jackie is correct. That is exactly <laughs> what happened. Um, and then Trillium, you know, they had they started in Boston in a very small place. And that, again, too, was sort of pre-tap room vibes. Like, you know, people didn't necessarily expect that you'd go there and be able to drink a pint. And then as that became what they wanted to do, they had to find a place where they could have, you know, people visit. And so that was in the suburbs, you know, until they got money and got cred and got, you know, a developer's number to, uh, to open their place in Boston. Um, so that's my perspective on that. Yeah. And Andy, what, what are your thoughts in terms of the experience of watching these breweries that have found kind of the success in, in growing community in the suburbs and then opening up these second or even sometimes third locations more like within the city itself? Boston has always kind of been a weird beer city because, you know, we start in the beginning with a brewery like Boston Beer Company that while it has it in the name, it's actually its presence here is largely corporate and administrative. It's not actually production. You know, they have, as Jackie said, they have a very tiny, you know, brewery where they've done some interesting things over the years in, in JP. But, you know, they're not really brewing. You know, people will still go to that brewery and say, you know, is this where you make Boston lager? And they say, well, yeah, once a year, twice a year tiny little, you know, 10 barrel batch, not, you know, not the massive system we have in Pennsylvania and other places. Uh, so, so for us, that's sort of where it started on this unusual ground. And then from there, it's just unsurprisingly an incredibly expensive city in which to, to live and to operate. And if you're trying to be a commercial, you know, when the tap room model really exploded, you know, you know, half a decade ago or so now, um, what they were really taking advantage of is a lot of empty or vacant commercial space uh, that, you know, probably had some high ceilings, might've been old warehouses or things like that, that you could get for a couple of bucks, uh, you know, a square foot. In Boston, that doesn't exist. We don't really have vacant space. You know, to the extent we have it, or have any space, it's it's not vacant. And a lot of the space is not really built for, for brewing needs. You know, the, the ceilings aren't high, the drainage is bad, the frontage road is bad, there's no room for a dock or, or any kind of trucking, just some of that logistics, it just wasn't working. And then even if it did have that, it's insanely expensive and just could not, you couldn't justify doing it. So for a very long time, we, and actually continuing to this day, 
we don't really have, you know, our beer scene, I would say, is maybe 10 to 15 years behind most other cities. And that would be even a city like Akron or St. Petersburg or, or you know, where, you know, let alone, you know, larger cities like I mean, Portland or Denver, things like that. Those aren't even in the equation. Like for us, we have this long heritage of being a beer city, but we don't have that many breweries. And as, as Joel, as you noted, what we do have is breweries establishing themselves. And then a couple of years later, once they actually have some revenue, you know, finally either creeping back into the city or opening up other locations or like Night Shift um, and a few others have done. They open up these beer gardens, you know, seasonal beer gardens around town because you just don't have a lot of space. And, you know, even if you're a place like Trillium, you know, you've had to kind of fight and claw, you know, even though you are a, a tenant that almost any any landlord would love to have. They've had to like make these odd spaces around town to sell beer in. Uh, so we've had to be a little bit more creative, but you know, we are an expensive city. We're a very densely populated city. Um, and you know, for us, it just, you know, we unfortunately have not had the experience of, of, you know, I, I just was recently in Charlotte and some other cities and it's just unbelievable how many breweries, you know, are there. You go to a city like, like my hometown of Chicago, I think there's North of 150 breweries there now, you know, this, you know, in this city, I don't, know off the top of my head how many brewers there are but it could easily be in the city proper could easily be a dozen uh mm -hmm. with some other outlets you know built into it it just is a city and we don't really have a lot of new places opening up i will say jackie's jackie's point to castle island is a great example because they moved you know literally it was named after a southie landmark and they couldn't find space in southie or in the city moved to the suburbs opened a big production facility there then got brought back by by you know a tenant or a landlord that that wanted them and actually oddly enough it was a building where adam and his family had his parents and his family had worked previously so he actually remembers running around that facility you know when he, and i can't remember exactly what it, what they used to build there but it was a manufacturing facility uh he remembers running around there when he was a kid uh and so he was he he finally got to bring it back which is a great story and it's a fantastic space but it's an outlier in in our our experience here in Boston. I wish I wish we had more and more tap rooms opening up every week, every month. You know, but we're barely lucky if we get one a year. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good way of putting it because, like, I, I guess in my experiences too, when when I visited Boston, is that it is a city that you do associate with beer, like like people associate like, and there are some big names out there, and so I think people oftentimes like when I was there, you expect there to be more breweries and so i think you did a really job explaining why it kind of is this way because it does make a lot of sense you know boston as a city it's also very old and so like just like the actual setup of the city doesn't lend itself to being able to have all these new builds and everything that you do have in in other cities like where i'm from milwaukee you know there's there is a lot of new build and new skies you know and there's new things kind of going in and there's four breweries that have opened here this year already um so there there is yeah. that kind of element to it uh and so now talking kind of about you know i guess you could say the weird but like these additional tap rooms are helping visitors to the city being able to try different breweries without having to scavenge through all the different suburbs but what other recommendations andy would you make who is coming to the city and they do want to experience as much of the local craft beer scene as they can i think i mean one of the benefits of boston is you know even if you know public transit goes out and you can't drive anywhere, you can walk across the city or good portions of the city in an We've hour done or two. That. I mean, it's, you're not going to get top to bottom. Yeah, you're not going to get top to bottom, but you can you can hit, you know, it's reasonably accessible. And so, you know, if you pick a neighborhood, you may not be able to go like in, in Milwaukee or in Chicago or in Portland or other Asheville, where you can go to, you know, a dozen breweries within however many blocks. But you can still have a reasonably, you know, frankly, you could just do a trillium crawl at their various locations or just go on a night shift crawl and in idle hand. I mean, all the number of places it's like, you know, trillium and night shift and idle hands and, and notch. All these places are just opening up second or Lord Hobo, second and third or fourth locations. Um, and we're just not getting the new breweries. But those old breweries or established breweries are you know, doing some interesting things and having some interesting spaces. And, and, you know, we're, we're happy to have those. I'd certainly love to see more breweries come in, even smaller breweries, more experimental, more eclectic, doing a wider range of things. But I think the breweries we have here kind of have to appeal to 
a larger demographic because um, we just don't, they just can't be that niche because there just aren't that many of them. Do you feel then if there is going to be more growth that it would be more of the already established breweries opening up additional tap rooms similar to what we've talked about already? I think that I think that'll continue to be the case because that they're also yeah. the only ones who can afford to do it. They're the only yeah. ones that banks will lend to because they're established. They have they have either existing credit lines or they have you have good credit history. They have good cash flow. Somebody comes in now and you need I don't couldn't even tell you what it would take to open a, a, a brewery that actually would be able to make enough revenue uh, on its tap room space, uh, a couple million. I mean, the, the amount of money you would need as opposed to another city where you could do it for a quarter of that amount uh, lends itself to if you're big and you're staying by big, I mean, not that big, but big enough to be able to have that cash flow, have a few years under your belt. Um, I think, yeah, we're going to continue to see that. The problem is, we just don't have a lot of new space. And so what you see is, um, you know, these places are opening, as Jackie said, in some new developments, like Lord Hobo's in a ho new hotel in in Far Fort Point, you know, in, in, in South Boston. Um, you know, Trillium was in a new development in an old building. Uh, Castle Island, same sort of thing, new development in an old building. It's, you know, we're not really, it's not like you can, if you're a new brewer, you come in, you say, you know, I'm, I found, I think the last one that I can think of that really in the area found a vacant space that was not being utilized, you know, for any real purpose was Lamplighter in Cambridge. And they went into an old, old garage uh, mm -hmm. in, in Cambridge. And, and really neat. That's by a really look, neat tap room. It's a great space. space. They do a great job. But you take a look at it from the outside and, you know, all of us have driven by it or walked by it a thousand times. And you would never have thought this would work as a brewery. The ceilings aren't that high. It's long and narrow and kind of just, but they made it work there. And that's what you have to do. Unfortunately, there just aren't that many opportunities and many, many spaces mm -hmm. that work for it. Yeah, for sure. Well, so Jackie, going back to the original question, if someone messages you and is like, hey, I'm going to be in Boston for what X number of days. And I really want to, you know, be able to experience as much of the craft beer scene as I can. What, what kind of recommendations and, and plans would you, would you kind of point them in? Um, we've talked about most of them, um, but definitely Trillium, Trillium Fort Point and their roof deck. Um, get out there. You know, you might have to wait. That's the thing about Trillium, too, is it attracts lines. Um, so Trillium Fort Point, for sure, though, on any Boston beer trip. Um, Castle Island, for sure. I'd also say go hungry to Castle Island because they have an awesome South Shore style bar pizza situation. It's called Bardo's. Unbelievable. It's Unbelievable. so good. <laughs> it is the best pizza. It's so good. It's delicious. I love and Castle it's this Island. I love that style. pizza. Yeah. And it's this regional style. So I actually sent a friend coming from Denver um, and he, he tried the pizza and I was like, yeah, it's a thing. And they do it really well. It's like crispy and thin and you can yeah. like take the whole pizza down. Um, so definitely go to Castle Island Hungry. Um, I love Notch. So I say take the train to Salem. It's actually really easy to get to Salem. It's it's like an hour on the train, um, but it's a beautiful uh, city. I was going to ask is like, what, like with Boston people, what do they consider? Like is Salem kind of considered close enough that you consider that, you know, kind of easy enough to get up to? Because obviously not just one that I enjoy too and that many people are familiar with due to their amazing, yeah. you know, ability to do the session beers. They're so good. They have a Boston location now too. So I must say that, which is amazing. It still has the same, or it has similarly notch vibes. They just create a really nice place to hang out and drink beer, like with appropriately loud music and like great beers. So they have a place in Brighton now, which is a cool place to visit. And there's like, it's like part of a development that has some other local businesses there. So notch Brighton is definitely worth checking out, but yeah, Salem, I mean, I wouldn't say that Bostonians think Salem is close necessarily, but we definitely think it's worth the trip and it's not far. It is like an hour. Whereas like some parts of the North shore, like Newburyport, which is another like super cute town. That's like a little bit further and it kind of, it feels further. Um, Notch, you can drive there in less than an hour, take the train there in an hour. You can also take a ferry there from Boston. Um, they kind of had to plan a little bit more, but like definitely worth it, especially if you're visiting. Um, so yeah, not just in like Salem in general is just a really cool city. So worth visiting for sure. Um, and yeah, easy day trip. Um, and then yeah, Lamplighter, not quite Boston. I was going to say this about um, Boston and just like new breweries coming here, like what the development is like. 
we're talking about Night Shift and Lamplighter and all these like cool breweries that have established themselves as Boston area breweries. The thing about Boston is it's very small. So Boston proper is very small. Mm -hmm. I would say very true. Very true. Most of my friends don't live in Boston proper. They live in Cambridge or Somerville. Malden even is where Isle Hands is based and on the orange line. So, you know, Boston itself doesn't have a lot of breweries, but like in a tea, you know, on our subway system, tea accessible breweries do abound in the area. Um, so yeah, I would definitely send people to Castle Island, Trillium, Notch, Lamplighter, and then Idle Hands I just mentioned in Malden. Yeah. Um, they're great too in the same session style, just like classic European styles, great taproom vibes. Yeah, yeah that, Joel, that is a really have, good have, point. Oh, sorry, Joel, go ahead. We have, now reach, we have reached the part of the podcast where Jackie and I have to gush about Notch and promote it to everybody. This is, this is, uh, <laughs> I understand, I understand that. I understand yeah, so it, is, 100%. So we, we have about 25 minutes worth of material that we're both going to probably have to do here. I am one of the biggest biggest Notch fans out there. I am certainly certainly you know in for them all the way. I've known Chris from way back in his days when he was doing there we go. That's, That's what we, 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 love, right we love to we love to see the Zwickle. We do. We love the Zwick, uh, yes. Yeah, it's good stuff. I've known Chris for a long time back to you know when he was doing you know session beers, English style session beers at Tremont. Uh, in, on the backside of Charlestown, which is one We're of the world's We're talking the early worst. 90s, kids. Yeah, this is the early yeah, 90s. World, I mean, I, I knew him after, I've, I've been here since 2000, so that was sort of on the end of that, of what was the absolutely terrible idea for a business back then. But uh, <laughs> Session beer is Thank barely you, a thing nowadays, and it certainly was not a thing, you know, 20 years ago. But um, he's been he's been uniform in his view of of traditional methods, traditional styles, and low alcohol beers from these earliest days and now his obsession with czech style and 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 continental lagers is unparalleled and as jackie said you know, i don't think anybody in boston would say salem is close um it, it's one of those things where it might only be 20 miles from boston but it takes you a good solid hour it's route and one. <laughs> it, yeah it is a real pain to get to which i you know my problem was i live in as Jackie said, it's, basically it's the Boston area. So I live in a town called Arlington, just right over the Cambridge line. Um, and, you know, it's Cambridge, Somerville, you know, Bo- you know, Boston, all these things are kind of all just right together. But trying to get to Notch, I could only get up there a couple of times a year because it is kind of a, it's kind of a trek. Uh, and while Salem's a great town, and I certainly recommend going there, and the tap room there is fantastic. And it really captures the the sensibilities uh, of Chris and his team and their love of music and just the space is beautiful and I would brag about it to to anybody around this country like in turn you know whenever I travel around the country like I go you go to that one tap room that you just wish was in your town and for me that's notch I'm so happy we have it and I'm so happy that they opened their Brighton Brighton uh brewery because it is 10 minutes from my house so it is a very easy place. I go there about once a week, can take my kids there, uh, you know, just get a beer and just sit out in there. The beer garden is fantastic. It's about, I don't know, two or three, maybe four times the size of Salem. It's, you know, if you're facing the right direction in the, in this space, um, it would it actually feels like you're in a German or a continental European beer garden trees and it's just the whole thing is beautiful and the beers they produce there there's you're not going to find a beer menu like notch anywhere in the world where you can drink alt beer kolsch zwickel you know five different kinds of czech or german lager alongside some hazy ipa IPA. yeah Yeah, and you know all of it is absolutely beautiful done perfectly the service is fantastic the staff is great the environment is fantastic so um i could go on and on and probably will about notch but it is it is undoubtedly if you are a stop in in the Boston area, you have to get over there and 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 everything. You can have beers there that are two and a half or three percent alcohol. You know, I'm all you, about. You know, I'm all you're about not going to get a lot of. Now. Absolutely. Yeah, and it's it's fantastic, and you can sit in that beer garden and have two or three or four beers over the course of an afternoon, and walk out out that door feeling pretty good, and and continue on your beer your pub crawl. So uh, it's a fantastic space. I'd highly recommend it. Absolutely. Well, and I was just wondering for, for people that, you know, because not everyone has a full grasp on different cities and may not have been there. Boston, for, for people that are wondering, Boston's population, the city itself is like less than 700,000 people. Like the city itself population isn't much bigger than what Milwaukee is. 
it's the whole metro area is what makes it like much larger. And so just to kind of give an idea of a picture for people of why when people say like Boston's this massive city and it's a massive metro area and it's why there's so much, you know, the, the city is so dense, but it's really not that big of a space. That's why it's so expensive, uh, partially why it's so expensive to be there. So I think we've talked a little bit about this already, uh, but just kind of talking specifically, Andy, looking forward into the future, what what is one or maybe two things that you would like to see changed or, or added when it comes to the Boston beer scene? Well, I'd like to go back in time and have pretty things not move to not move to England. I think that would have been that would have been nice for us. If if we're asking for things that could have been, they moved, I think Dan Piquet and his wife Martha, you know, had one of the most interesting eclectic breweries in the country uh, on on sort of a, a system where they never had a physical location. They just brewed on other people's systems. Um, and their beers were f- interesting and fun and eclectic and artistic and and really interesting. But they, you know, showed up just a little bit too soon for the taproom model. I think they ended up leaving the Boston area, I think, about a year or two before that happened. And had they stuck, I think I would have loved to have seen what they could have done here because I'm seeing what they're doing in, in Sheffield in England, and it looks fantastic, and I can't wait to go and visit there. Uh, but I, along those lines, I would love to just see a lot of smaller tap rooms um, come into more eclectic spaces and I think a lot, you know, we've talked about this a lot. These places are becoming kind of anchor tenants uh, in ways that maybe department stores used to be, you know, to get young people and, and other people who are passionate about beer into your space, you know, to be able to go to other stores there. You know, a lot of places are looking to have craft brewers in there. And I'd love to see a lot of more artistic, smaller breweries that are doing more eclectic styles, maybe places that are focused, you know, whether it's it's Belgian or or why you know mixed fermentation or sour beers, things that are that have just a distinct point of view that don't have to put out, you know, five or ten or fifteen thousand barrels a year can be small, uh, you know, but also have have not too much space that they can't cover that rent uh, that it costs too much and is cost prohibitive. I don't know how we do that here, uh, and I'm not sure if we can do that here, but I'd love to see that. But one thing we are doing well that I hope that I've wrote about for years before it happened, and I'm so excited, and frankly, pandemic kind of accelerated it a little bit, was the outdoor beer garden. You know, for what we lacking in space indoors, we have realized that, you know, and Boston is a pretty Victorian-esque place. We've got a lot of ridiculous rules. We were the first place in the country to ban happy hours. We still don't allow happy hours in this state uh, for some very questionable reasons. Uh, we have a lot of very questionable liquor laws, um, but we finally have started to treat adults like adults, which we were not willing to do for quite some time, and allowing people to drink outside and drink in beer gardens. And we're now setting them up in in parking lots and that are unused on the weekends. You know, a business's parking lot is suddenly transformed into a beer garden uh, on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Um, we're seeing them along the Esplanade, which is uh, this green a park and greenery along the Charles River, which bisects Cambridge and Boston. Uh, we're seeing you know just some fantastic outdoor beer spaces. You know, Trillium, right in the heart of downtown, uh, has a has a gorgeous space, um, and these spaces are you know, allow us, you know, Bostonians and visitors and tourists to just sort of reconnect with the city in in a way that, you know, otherwise downtown Boston can get a little quiet, you know, frankly, and especially nowadays uh, with the pandemic and a lot of office workers not returning, you know, it, this is a way to revitalize those areas. Um, And so I, I love that those, I'd love to see more of it, but I frankly, I just love to see more breweries come into this town. Um, But I, you know, for all the reasons we've said, I, on that one well i didn't i didn't say there was to be i just said you know best case scenario you know what but but uh jackie what about you what, what are some changes or, or additions that you would most like to see uh to the boston beer scene um yeah andy kind of touched on it a little bit i mean there's some pretty archaic laws and like some pretty ridiculous things that breweries and also bars in general have to sort of work with um in ways that prohibit our scene for sure um, so that's a bigger question than what our breweries are doing, because they're doing a lot to advocate um, for changes in those laws. We talked about Dan Paquette um, mm-hmm. before he left Boston. He made some big changes. Um, he was sort of a whistleblower for some unfair practices in, in tap lines. It's a long story. You can Google it. Um, but Dan Paquette, you know, really 
stepped up for that. And and I think that's probably part of the reason that he left this state um, because he was sick of dealing with the bureaucracy. Um, but yeah, so I would love to see some changes there. Uh, Andy touched on happy hour. I think happy hour promotions, that kind of stuff could really help breweries and help people connect with them. Um, so those changes would be very welcomed. And yeah, it's about treating adults like adults. Like we've learned, we had takeout cocktails. Again, other cities got them sooner than us. People had to advocate really hard during the pandemic for that to get passed in Massachusetts. And luckily it did. Um, and it, it really was not earth shattering. Like no one, I, I don't know. Well, I have to look at the drunk driving statistics and everything, but I'm sure other pandemic things might have contributed to that. Um, but yeah, so I'd love to see some like laws change to make drinking in Boston a little more um, accessible to people who, who want to do it and who want to open these places and, and make money. Um, that being said too, Andy also touched on some, um, you said this having a point of view. Um, so we talked about Notch, their session beer. Um, I love that. I, I mentioned my friend from Denver. He's actually Eric Larkin. He owns Cohesion Brewery, which just opened. And I've been obsessed with following them from afar. They're totally in on Czech beer and Czech style beer. Um, and I think that's really cool. And like Notch does that a little bit, but they do all session beers, all European styles. So I think honing in on that specific um, type of beer culture is really cool and unexplored here in Boston. Um, I also just visited a really cool brewery in Providence. Well, it's actually in Cranston, Rhode Island. Um, and they're, it's a Rhode Island law, but they're called an alt prop, an alternative uh, proprietorship. And so they are like a tenant brewery inside another brewery, Buttonwoods Brewery. It's called Origin Beer Project. And they're located, co-located within um, Buttonwoods Brewery, but they brew their own beers on Buttonwood system and sell them on their own little square device, you know, um, in a corner of the tap room on Fridays and Saturdays. So it's like two tap rooms for the price of one. You show up on a Friday, there's two different breweries there, two different, you know, selections of beer with um, both, you know, different points of view. So I thought that was pretty cool. So any sort of like collaborative effort like that. There's one brewery we haven't mentioned um, in Boston called Dorchester Brewing Company. That's been pretty cool. Um, it's a local brewery. They started as a contract brewery. So that was like part of their business model, um, inviting other breweries to use their equipment. And they like did a lot of investment in their build out. Um, and it's in Dorchester, which is part of Boston, but it's um, generally, you know, a, it's Boston's largest neighborhood. It has a lot of um, industrial places that, you know, were ripe for development at the time. So they started as a contract brewery model. They've built their own brands now. They have a taproom culture and everything. Um, but building it on that contract brewery model was pretty interesting because um, it brought different beers to their taproom. They were allowed to serve those beers because the law in Massachusetts is you can serve, when you have a taproom license, you can serve whatever um, beers you brew in-house. So they could serve different styles of beer, different brands, um, and build up, you know, a draw, get some customers in. They had Evil Twin for a while um, back in their early days. So that was pretty cool to go there and try mm -hmm. some Evil Twin beers. Um, so just some cool stuff, just sort of thinking outside the box on just like that traditional um, our brand, you know, our brand appeals to everyone. Like maybe make your brand niche and then have a tenant partnership or have some kind of partnership there. Um, you know, I'm all about cooperative living or, or cooperative uh, business models here and, you know, thinking creatively. Yeah. You're talking about that. So there are several contract, there's a couple contract brewers here in Milwaukee. And then I was just down in Chicago and, uh, taught you, you're talking about the, the situation in Cranston. There's, there's a couple places like that in Chicago. There's, cool. um, I was just at called pilot project and is that pilot project is like the home brewery, but then there's actually four other breweries that use that same space and tap room and you can get all of the beers. Like there's like a huge tap list and some of the breweries only have one or two. Some of them have five to six, but they, you can get all of the different breweries, beers and merch and all of it there at the one tap room. And then I think that's district cool. brew yards is another one. That's a similar kind of setup. I think sometimes they have their own little, like, like actual little, like kind of places for it in a way. Um, but yeah, like pilot project is literally just one big tap room space. And it's just, you can get all the, all the beers from all the different breweries. Um, and then a couple of them, I think, have, then have gone on to you know open their own locations eventually. But uh, that that would be you know something when when you are yeah, it's brand looking it from a yeah from, from a from a financial standpoint and a space standpoint when you're limited, being able to go into a place where you're not having to put up the overhead for the initial system and having to pay as much for rent and all the other 
costs associated with opening a brewery, you're able to build up that base and build up your brand alongside these other breweries. You know, it, it is an interesting concept for sure that I think would not just in Boston, but many other kind of large cities. This is something that I think could work uh, in many other locations. So, for sure. I can imagine now, the yeah. city, the state liquor board having a real challenge <laughs> with yeah. trying to figure out how to license that. But I agree. I think that the idea is there. I'm not, I'm exactly. not, I'm not the guy that's going to deal with the actual laws behind it. I'm just out there to throw ideas out there and see what they stick. So, so hey, we're, st we're, we're still trying to figure out what a farmer brewer is. And that is the name of our oh. brewing license here. So like this yeah. is just going to blow everyone's minds. But I, I like the idea too. Yeah. <laughs> so now looking, uh, I always like to ask this question is, is Jackie, is there a specific beer that you feel best represents Boston? And it could be a beer style too, if you want it to be, but uh, is there one that you feel best represents? I mean, absolutely. It's called New England IPA. <laughs> um, yeah. We invented it, uh, we perfected it. You know, Massachusetts in general has a lot of great breweries. They're not in Boston. You've maybe heard of Treehouse. Oh, they yeah. are located in uh, – that was kind of a joke. I'm sure you've heard of it. <laughs> well, not everyone listening, though, may have heard of it. It's, you know, it's important to share <laughs> share the knowledge of it. Yeah, yeah they're, <laughs> they're kind of a big deal. They're like their own island. They're located just west of Worcester. So Worcester's right in the, the heart of the Commonwealth, as they like to say. Um, and then, yeah, Treehouse, their original location. They have multiple now, as discussed, mm -hmm. um, all in all over the state, really. Um, Treehouse is, is a destination for sure. And they do the hazy IPA. Um, yeah, like no one else. And Trillium, we've discussed, um, they're, they're absolutely innovators with that, um, you know, double, triple dry hopped hop bomb. Um, they're doing, you know, new series every year. I just got a press release actually yesterday about a new Trillium IPA series, which I will not divulge, but you guys, I'm sure will hear about it, um, in the coming weeks. Um, so yeah, New England IPAs, I think definitely has been where Boston breweries make their mark. Um, even Notch makes one, um, it's sessionable, but it has all the flavor, all the juiciness, all the haze. Um, so yeah, that's for sure. But I also think, yeah, we do a lot of styles really well. We have a lot of great farms in Massachusetts as well. One of my favorite breweries that's not in Boston. Um, they're in Western Mass, um, the Quabbin region. So not fully Western mass, but sort of, you know, West of Worcester, they're called honest weight. Um, and they do really amazing saisons and grisettes and like those kind mm. of farm farm styles. Um, oh, so I love too. those and they, and they use a lot of, um, local ingredients. So I'm, I'm looking forward to trying more of that as, as sort of, um, you know, Massachusetts and, and greater Northeast farms get on board with making cool wheat products for breweries to use. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can't deny the hazy IPA <laughs> for sure. Well, so Andy, do you agree with Jackie on, on the hazy or is there a different beer that you feel kind of represents Boston? I think Boston is represented basically by two styles. The first one for better or worse, I is indeed the hazy IPA, the new England style IPA. I am not traditionally a, a particularly big fan of the style. I have to admit there are some places that do beautiful versions or some places that do less beautiful, but for better or worse, you know, and this is funny because as I travel around the country a little bit more, you know, kind of, I don't want to say post pandemic, but pandemic light or whatever we're in at the moment. Um, I'm finding that hazy isn't something that is necess necessarily dominating every scene. And so for me, it very much feels like hazy IPA is the, if you order IPA on a menu here, you're going to get a hazy IPA. You're not going to get, if you order a West coast IPA here, you're probably going to get a hazy IPA as you <laughs> as Lamplighter. Yeah, I love them. God bless them. But they brewed a West Coast labeled IPA that was indeed a hazy IPA. It was a New England. I, I don't know if they San, if they mislabeled the can. If they got, over in their grave. <laughs> oh no, it was it's. A, and, but then when you actually get out and have a West Coast IPA in these other places, you remember how amazing that style is. And it's a style that used to be everywhere in Boston. Oh, yeah. Until, indeed, Hazy IPA came in and, and, IBU and stole, arms race. sold the show. <laughs> yeah, not no more. There are no IBUs in these beers anymore. Yeah. They are, you know, they're all very soft and pillowy and juicy. And, and you know, I, I Those think are the keywords when you go into untap. Those are the exact words that I think people type in. You know, so <laughs> yeah, and it's and I can do about five ounces of it, and then it's and then I'm all set. Then I head over to Notch and I drink my lager like an old old timey beer writer, and I'm and I'm happy. But I right, think that's where that, I'm you know, this I'm is all the thing about, about lagers too. <laughs> 
Uh, well, that's that's the benefit of being in Milwaukee. That's that's yeah, just exactly. good. That's just good <laughs> good lager tradition. But it just you know we have that, but also we have a very our DNA is actually in English style beer. That's mm. you know that is where craft beer and that's whether it's from you know Harpoon or uh, you know other breweries. You know that you know we have this weird just a generalized ale style that still does reasonably well here. And it's places like Ipswich original ale and things like that, that have their pockets. And that was kind of a defining, defining style for a very long time. That's what craft beer was in Boston. And frankly, that's why I think new England or, you know, East coast IPA, East coast ale kind of got a bad rep for a long time because it was all this kind of similar kind of boring. And I'm not saying it's the best thing I have a nostalgia for it, but it's pretty boring beer, but it's, you know, that is probably one of the definers of, of this region though frankly we're starting to do a lot of really good lager beer as well and and i i think that you know we do a lot of different styles and i you know i don't know that we have a lot of breweries here that are massive in mixed fermentation and sour though some do you know we have cambridge brewing one we've not even discussed um and you know trillium is is good in that respect and and lamplighter has some of that as well um but you know frankly it's um you know, we just do, we're kind of a utility player. You know, we can do a lot of different styles pretty well, but besides hazy IPA, I'm not sure that you can give an answer. That's not hazy IPA. It defines, <laughs> yeah. it certainly defines the local scene. For sure. Well, and so now moving on to the last question that I always ask, and I think you guys have probably discussed to a certain extent what your answers are already going to be, but I always like to like, necessarily favorite, but are there three Boston or greater Boston area breweries that you just want to kind of give a special extra special shout out to um for for one reason or another it doesn't have to be for the beer uh andy you can lead us off here um yeah so for me and you know it's just going to be notch notch and notch but i've already discussed <laughs> that so i guess i can probably move beyond notch though i highly recommend going there um uh idle hands is one we briefly touched on mm-hmm. they do some really they they kind of do an interesting balance where it's half lager beer half you know it's maybe half lager beer a th- or maybe a third 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 like a third lager beer a third hazy ipa and a third you know sour or in you know fruited or some other kind yeah, of you know, mixed fermentation or farmhouse yeah belgian they had a lot of, far- they had a lot vaguely of farmhouse Be- stuff when i was there i think yeah vaguely belgiany like and it's it it's an interesting balance um they of course just opened another location in the mall up in Burlington. So it's like, you know, every place is opening. I don't, I'm trying to think of like what breweries haven't opened second locations of the Lamplighter's got a second location, you know, just old guys like Cambridge Brewing are just happy in their one spot. And they're about the only ones who haven't opened another location. Idle Hands is, a, is they do some really great beer. They don't get a lot of, a lot of credit or a lot of, you know, salutations, but they do some fantastic stuff. And unfortunately I'm going to have to come back to, I'm going to have to come back to Castle Island because while we discussed it, we haven't really talked about the beer, the, the you know, Boston's architecture. And frankly, it's Boston is kind of a, I don't know, this is my perspective. It's a little bit boring. We're all a lot of Subarus and Patagonia and everyone kind of looks the same as a lot of times. And it's like kind of buttoned down. Um, and so our breweries a little bit reflect that they're a little bit lacking in some of the character you find in uh, the artistic flair you'd find in a place like Portland, Maine, or other, or even Providence. I was down there a couple of months ago and was blown away by the beer scene down there. It's yeah. so fun. Um, but Castle Island kind of turns all that on its head. Castle Island space is young and energetic and, and vibrant and colorful and indoor, outdoor and big. Like it is, it is a beautiful, beautiful space. Um, the pizza from Bardo's, that South Shore pizza, we could do a whole episode on how good, I mean, it's easily the best pizza in the Boston area. It is so good. That is a reason enough, if you, even if you don't drink, to go there. But the beer they're doing there, Castle Island has always kind of been known for pretty standard, fair, conventional, traditional styles, doing very solid representations of those, but nothing like too rocking the boat. They're doing some interesting stuff in that space. A lot of fruited beers, a lot of like mimosa themed or margarita themed or like beers that are that are brewed with like you know, peppers and, and they're spicy. They, every time I'm in there, they're doing something. They have like a half a dozen just really weird, amazing, like mango margarita spiced beer. And you're just like, this in theory is not going to appeal to me and my traditional palate. But then I have it. And I'm like, 
this is this is amazing like this is really <laughs> they're doing great stuff in there so i love everything that castle island is doing in that space um i'm very excited about them um but besides them i think that that's the you know those are kind of the three that i find myself coming back to to more and more um they're just doing really really interesting stuff yeah for sure and uh jackie what about you yeah i would echo those three spots i would also give a shout out to trillium i think trillium is just absolutely solid i mean I mildly resent that they make me pay $22 for a four pack on the regular, but they just do really great hoppy beers. But, you know, I've said it to my partner and to my friends. I've been like, you know what? Trillium stouts are my favorite. And then I'll have a Trillium sour and I'll be like, oh no, you know, I really love Trillium sours. Like they just do all styles really well. They deserve all the hype. I love Trillium. And then we also touched on them briefly. I have to give a shout out to Cambridge Brewing Company. They're an absolute OG. They're a tiny brew pub in Kendall Square, Cambridge, which is like a pretty um, square part of Cambridge. Like it's the biotech capital of a biotech city. Like it's a building, it's a neighborhood of glass buildings. Cambridge Brewing Company has been there since 1990. Um, And they, yeah, haven't opened a second location, are just a neighborhood brew pub. Absolutely like the place for regulars. Um, I've been a regular even longer than I lived in Boston. Like when I used to come to visit Boston, I would go there. Um, and they're just an innovator. They do all, you know, traditional styles. They're known for, or like they're probably flagship, I suppose, is like a Cambridge Amber Ale, sort of in that uh, British style that Andy was alluding to. Um, and they have a good stout, a good porter, um, good lagers and stuff, but then they just innovate like sours. They had, they have a barrel cellar in their tiny brew pub in Cambridge. Um, they were doing stuff before anybody was talking about our OGs, Sam Adams and Harpoon talk about the people who have come through the ranks of Cambridge brewing company. Um, the former brewer, not the guy who owns idle hands, but a former head brewer of theirs was a long time CBC employee the research and development brewer at Sam Adams um, at that Faneuil Hall tap room. She was a Cambridge, longtime Cambridge Brewing Company employee. Um, the guy who just opened Massachusetts You're saying first sake honest, brewery. Honest. Yeah, honest weight. Yep. Honest, honest weight. Two of them. Yep, yeah, there's, two guys. There's no, no shortage. Yeah, Kevin. Kevin opened a brewery down in down in Richmond, Virginia. Yeah, they've just mm-hmm. they've they've been a good innovator and a good employer for you know Lee Lee Lord, who is at Narragansett, was there. Yeah, um, you know, they've got folks all over the place. For sure. And yeah, they're just And so one we haven't talked about that I would ask Jackie to talk about. What about, you know, what about Aeronaut? Yeah, you know, Aeronaut is awesome too. And they've been an innovator too. And like also one of the coolest taproom experiences. They opened their first location in Somerville. They have multiple locations now, as one does. Um, but they opened their first location in Somerville in 2014. So it was kind of early on in that taproom um taproom scene in Boston and they have always prioritized live local music. They have one of the best trivia nights in Boston, (laughs) um, like hands down. So they're just an awesome community space and, and yeah, they have really cool styles of beer, like doing all the styles, but like doing them pretty well. Um, for sure. I love Aeronaut. Yeah. I actually haven't been to the community. The community space element is really important because they really prioritize that community. Because when they went in there, they opened up, they were like one of those places that opened up a tap room and they opened up just in a massive space, a space that was way too big for them. Other mm-hmm. places like the folks at Somerville Brewing Company had gone through it and said, we can't make this work. Mm-hmm. And they did. And they just, it's by just relentless, you know, social media and outpouring to the community, outreach to the community, trying to get multiple times a day will they'll have events you know they'll have mm-hmm. you know an art event and a music event and a comedy night or whatever all you know all in the course of one day they're just trying to bring people into that space and it's just an eclectic interesting space where they do they also, so, like jackie said just every style under the sun and do them pretty well they also have that whole it's like the whole back half of their tap room they call it this food hub so it's home to actually one of yeah. the coolest restaurants in Boston, a tasting menu restaurant. So kind of a splurge, but like a really amazing tasting menu restaurant called the tasting counter. There's a chocolate company that has its headquarters back there. There's a Venezuelan arepa shop that is like two, uh, like moms. Like I think they're like housewives, like moms who 
started making their you know venezuelan arepas and now they're the kitchen and residence at aeronaut so if you go there you definitely have to get the venezuelan food and yeah it's all been about making that space work for the community and being a community asset and yeah it's been really successful for them one thing i also have to say about aeronaut is everyone thinks of trillium garden on the greenway but as far as boston's beer garden scene aeronaut has the first one because they launched this initiative with harvard university in alston that still goes on it's called aeronaut alston um, but it's like every summer and it's like live music focused. They have bands come in like touring bands yeah. will come in. Um, and that's Boston's original beer garden. Most people don't know that, but I got to give it up to Aeronaut. <laughs> they, they had the foresight on community building there. Yeah, no, that, that's awesome. Rowan. I, I was going to say for, for me, if, for those that have listened to the podcast, I've, I've mentioned this before because I did an episode on New Hampshire, but um, in 2017, during my wife's first stint as a travel nurse, we lived in, uh, well, she was working in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and we lived in Hampton Beach for three months. So we made many trips down to Boston during that time. So at the time, obviously, back in 2017, I got to most of the breweries there um, in Boston. And I pretty much think I agree with, with your guys's points on pretty much like i said you know not yeah, just you, obviously you the right one yeah if, if not just not consider busting then you know I, I would agree you know you know trillium uh lamplighter uh well i mean we, we talked about i think i idle hands you know those would be probably maybe my three but there there is there's definitely plenty of, of of good beer and um just to kind of wrap this thing up do you guys have any other kind of final thoughts or conclusions about the Boston craft beer scene? And then also make sure to shout out how people can find your work um, or follow you on social media if they need to get in touch with other, you know, if they have any other questions or anything, uh, Jackie. Um, yeah, this has been really fun. I could talk about Boston beer all day. Um, I feel like another fun thing about being in Boston is that it's the heart of new England. So we're really close to Portland. We're really close to Providence. Um, we've talked about those cities a little bit, but, and I'm sure you have episodes or will have episodes on them, but those are awesome beer scenes to explore and we're really close and accessible. So I love living here at Central um, and it's a beautiful city. Um, so yeah, you can find me at Jackie Kane, um, C-A-I-N, and I'm on social media with an underscore in between Jackie and Kane. Um, so look for me, follow me. And yeah, always ask if anyone wants to DM me, when they're coming to Boston for recommendations, that's like one of my favorite hobbies. So I'm always. I absolutely, I totally agree. And uh, Andy. <laughs> yeah, and I would, I would second what Jackie says. Definitely DM Jackie. Yeah, I would be doing the same thing <laughs> if I'm looking for places in this city. Like I said, I, you know, I did not know that. I, I, I guess I must might have known that about Aeronaut being the first beer garden, but like she just rips off the facts, you know, because she's been doing the reporting for years. This place opened in 2014. This to this. It's because she's written all the stories. So if you want to read about any of these breweries, you know, go through Boston Ma Magazine's archive. She's done some great work over the years. Uh, she's a great follow on social media as well. She's got all sorts of tips about things that are going on. Um, but as for myself, you know, I'm just, you know, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting beer city, and it's one that you know we have actually managed, probably unlike any other episode you've had, to talk about just about every single brewery in the Boston area, save for a couple, a handful. And that's pretty unusual. So this is a city where you can kind of get around and, and touch all the bases and, and see what they're like and leave you know town maybe having gone to two or three trillion locations or two night shifts and things like that and really have a feel for what this, you know, have full essence of what of what Boston beer scene is like. Um, and as Jackie said, it's so easy to get down to Providence in 45 minutes or up to up to Portland in two hours or Portsmouth in an hour and a little bit of change, let alone up into New Hampshire and other places. And those are all fantastic, eclectic, growing beer scenes, um, you know, that Boston is sort of a hub for. Uh, but as for myself, you know, I'm on uh, social media at Beer Scribe, but more important, importantly, certainly, you know, feel free to, to look us up at All About Beer. Um, we're trying to do, you know, some interesting things on social media and we're building we're building uh, that scene there. Uh, but we're just, you know, we're just excited, both of us, to write about beer and to write about, you know, the people behind it. Because I think we're both passionate, both for the product, but also the stories that we get to tell about the about the great people in Boston. And, you know, the brewers here have a lot of great stories to tell. Yeah, for Absolutely. sure. Well, I mean, that's the whole reason I'm doing this podcast is I love to be able to share the stories of different breweries, beer scenes, and people from all over the country. It's why I love traveling to breweries all around the country. And uh, for those of you that are there first time listeners or need a refresher if you're wanting to follow uh, my travels or stay up to date with the podcast and 
all other things brewery travels uh you can find me on twitter at brewery travels on instagram at brewery underscore travels uh, as well as my website thebrewerytravels.com which has an interactive map of all my brewery visits um some of my my lists of you know favorite breweries in different states etc etc as well as links for the podcast if you're having trouble finding it (laughs) um but uh, again, thank you so much, Jack and Andy. This has been a blast. I've been looking forward to doing this for a while now. I'm glad we were able to make it work and be able to share all, all that is awesome about the Boston beer scene. So as always, remember where it is, where you are visiting or where you are living. Be sure to drink local everywhere. I've been